You are listening to the Bottom Line podcast where those living with or beyond bowel cancer, as well as health professionals involved in bowel cancer treatment and care, share their inspirational stories and lived experiences with host and bowel cancer survivor, Stephanie. Nurses are unsung heroes. It takes a really special personality to be a nurse. And throughout the pandemic, the value of good nursing support has really been highlighted and their value realised. I know my oncology nursing staff throughout my treatment were just so important to my recovery. Their insight, kindness, care and honest conversation was just so valuable. Today, we're chatting with Fiona, one of Bowel Cancer Australia's bowel care nurses. Fee has been with Bowel Cancer Australia for nearly 10 years. She has guided, advised and supported hundreds, probably thousands of bowel cancer patients and their loved ones over this time. Her warmth and genuine care is evident every day with every person she talks to. Fee, thanks for joining us on the Bottom Line podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, Steph. We've been wanting to chat for some time, but you've been so busy answering questions and we've finally got you today, so thank you. (laughs) Oh, that's good. It's good to sit here and have this chat with you. Can you give us just a really quick snapshot of what you do at Bowel Cancer Australia? Yeah, so like you said, I'm one of the nursing team. We are a team of nurses, nutritionists and social workers as well now who are lucky to have. Um, So my role as a nurse is basically to support anyone who is worried about their bowel health. That could be somebody who simply has a few questions um, that may not be anything too serious to those that are diagnosed with bowel cancer and are going through treatment. um, And that is throughout their treatment time. And it is also after their treatment time when it's all wrapped up and finished. And also the families and friends that need support for those patients during that time. So anything to do with your bowel, no matter how minor or how major, um, my role is basically here to try and answer your questions and support you in whichever way is needed at the time. And what did you do before Bowel Cancer Australia and then why bowel care nurse? So I was working um, as an intensive care nurse in a hospital uh, in Sydney and I worked there for a good 10 years now. I'm showing my age, 10 years <laughs> Australia and 10 Aren't years. we all? <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I really enjoyed that work as well and I think as an intensive care nurse you see many um types of patients from across the board, anything anything could lead you to ICU. Um, mm. But yes, we did see many patients, um, unfortunately, that were also uh, going through um, bowel cancer. I don't think I realised, you know, and, and those are patients that ended up in ICU. So that's a small portion mm. of those people, but they became very unwell and needed some support through ICU for a while. I, I don't think I realised exactly how many people were affected by bowel cancer and, you know, seeing the amount that we did actually support in ICU. Um, and post my leaving ICU, which I only did through having having my children, I, I am another nurse that works with Bowel Cancer Australia, Tammy, who I'm sure a lot of people would be familiar with too, uh, actually contacted me and said, hey, you know, there's some, there's some work going at Bowel Cancer Australia. Would you like to be part of the bowel care team? And it, it interested me. And I 
I did. I started work there part time and that's, you know, sort of grown in hours now as well as we've grown the role over these 10 years. And I, I do actually really enjoy it. And I've learned a lot. And, you know, it's also quite disturbing to see, I think, in it makes me quite passionate as well about the fact that so many people are affected by bowel cancer. But I do feel like it is not necessarily the most supported mm. cancer and the most talked about cancer. And I feel it's very warranted that it does get more support and more attention and more awareness brought to it. Yes. I mean, I've spoken um, publicly about the fact that when I was sick, I felt like I had the wrong cancer in a way because, um, you know, there was a lot of nurses, specialised nurses for other diseases, but not necessarily for bowel cancer. What sort of things, you know, each, each disease has its own nuance, but what particularly does bowel cancer and bowel cancer patients need from a nurse as opposed to more general nursing? Look, I think people that go through bowel cancer will all agree. Um, it can be really quite life-changing. I'm not saying mm. that other cancers aren't. However, um, we're looking at, you know, a disease which if, if it needs surgery will involve chopping off quite large portions of the bowel in some cases, and perhaps then other organs may be affected as well. Um, once you start messing around with somebody's bowel, the long-term effects of that can really impact somebody's life. So we need to really, um, you know, I find there's a lot of, there's a lack of support following bowel cancer surgery in a lot of cases to help patients understand that. And then they're just expected to go forward with their life. And as I said, if, if you've had a large portion of your bowel removed, Physically, uh, the effects of that can be that you've got issues with um, urgency, frequency, going to the toilet, diarrhea, um, feeling a lot of people feel like they don't want to leave the house unless they know where there's a toilet that they can get to. Mm. It's really quite life changing. Um, I think also the effects sometimes of the chemotherapies that we use to treat bowel cancer patients can have uh, often quite long-term effects as well, such as um, peripheral neuropathy, which can be really problematic for people to deal with as well. Then you mm. also have body image issues. So mm. that could be scarring, that could be leading life going forward with a stoma, whether it's a permanent one or a temporary one. Not to mention the, you know, emotional impacts that this has mm. uh, on, on somebody then having to keep going forward with their life once they've got through with their cancer treatment. And that's really a, a very big issue too. We do find that, you know, patients really, really do struggle to get back to some kind of normality, you know, dealing with these things, finding the support to deal with these things um, and processing what they've been through. So what's your advice to people that might come to you and say, okay, I'm having, I don't want to leave the house because I'm worried that, um, you know, uh, I don't know where the toilet is, for example. Yeah. So I think the first thing I always try and do is establish what advice so far that patient's received. What are they doing? Do they know, for example, you know, basic point number one about a low-fibre diet? And very often mm. um, I talk to these beautiful people who are going 
I'm trying to be really healthy. I'm eating fresh fruit and vegetables. I've totally changed my diet. I'm, you know, making green smoothies. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I'm on this high fiber diet because they want to be healthy. They have absolutely no understanding that perhaps in their circumstances now, that that's the worst thing that they can be doing. And um, they may have been living for 12 months like that and everything they're doing and they tell me when I say what okay what are you eating how are we managing this that it's a red flag red flag red flag and you know they are completely surprised when I tell them straight away I think we can help you I'm not saying that you will go back to 100% normal to what you were before but I think we can make your life very manageable Mm -hmm. simply by giving you nutritional advice as number one simple as that and it always surprises me that it's not it's not every time, but some places, you know, patients aren't really given that sort of information or, hey, off you go, go and live your life, eat your normal diet. However, should you find you start to get these issues, this is what you need to do. So you can either phone Bowel Cancer Australia or you can go to your GP and you can get a referral to go and see a dietitian in the community that's going to help guide you with your diet and making the changes that you need to make in order to make uh, your, your life and your bowel more manageable. It's it's really a, often a fairly simple mm. uh, approach that we can that we can take that can make a massive difference in someone's life after they've had bowel cancer surgery and that's that's the difference isn't it fee in the sense that's one of the nuances with with bowel cancer and a really important component is nutrition and you do when you're faced with cancer you think okay i'm going to be really healthy but that's not explained and it's that's what's different to other cancers um would that be one of your most common questions Definitely one of my most common questions because there'd be nothing more distressing, I think, than mm. feeling like I can't leave the house or, you know, I'm going to, I know that I need to be near a toilet all the time. Some people are going up to, you know, 20 times a day. It's really awful and they feel rotten then because they're obviously losing a lot of fluid, a lot of electrolytes as well. They're not maintaining um, or, or not getting any nutrients from the food because they're just not absorbing properly. So it's it's a big it's probably one of the main things. I think that's probably one of the main things that makes people reach out and mm. pick up the phone or start looking online, where can I get help? But they may have been living with that for some time. And, you know, I always say to people, yes, if you haven't had a bowel cancer diagnosis or bowel cancer surgery, eating a fabulous high-fiber diet is perfect. That's what we want you to do for your bowel health. But when you've had bowel cancer and you've had surgery for that cancer, things are going to look a little bit different because we've shortened the bowel. There's less time for the stool to pass through the bowel and and process. There's less transit time. So things are going to be a little bit different. Uh, Foods that you may have tolerated before without a problem now may be a problem for Mm. you. Some people develop, you know, can't tolerate dairy for a while, can't tolerate wheat anymore. You know, it's a real let's go back to basics and find out what Mm. we need to do individually for each person. Not everyone, you know, the scale... If you imagine the line, you know, you could be at one end of the line or the end of the line. Some people are very lucky and they they don't have a lot of compromise from the word go. But some people are really, really compromised and they're on the other end of the scale there. And like I said, some simple changes in advice, a little bit of education uh, can really make such a massive difference to somebody's uh, quality of life. Yes, and you don't have to suffer. There may be some help out there. You touched on neuropathy. I know in the movement we talk about neuropathy and exercise quite a bit. Any advice around that? 
So with neuropathy, uh, it does affect a lot of patients who have been on oxaliplatin. Uh, that, that it does affect the the nerve endings. There, it does essentially cause a bit of nerve damage. So these things can take a while to heal, up to twelve months. Um, most cases do heal. So please, you know, take comfort from that. But um, in some cases, it can be uh, longer lasting, unfortunately. But yes, things you can do. We want to try and promote blood supply, a blood flow to those areas to encourage healing. And essentially, exercise is fabulous for that. It's really important. Uh, so whatever you can manage, if you're, if you're getting out there and you're walking every day or you can, whatever it is that you can manage, even if you're only half an hour a day, that's something. Uh, peripheral limb exercises. So just simply, if you, you know, if your mobility is not that fabulous, just rotating ankles round and round, up and down, scrunching your toes, doing the same with your fingers and your wrists, your hands as well, just to try and get that blood supply going. Massage is another uh, nice, useful method that people can find helps to relieve some of the symptoms of neuropathy, uh, even acupuncture. It's definitely worth giving these things a try. Some people really do find that it does help to relieve the symptoms. Some people maybe, maybe not, but, you know, it's either going to do something or nothing. So I always mm. think it's worth giving something a go and seeing what works best for you. And, yeah, really looking after yourself, making sure your vitamin B12 levels are, are good, which hopefully your, your follow-up teams are because you're going to be getting regular blood tests and your surveillance anyway. But your B12 levels are also something that can be considered None of these are going to heal things straight away, but they're all things that we can do to help promote recovery and relieve uh, discomfort as well. So definitely, uh, definitely worth looking at all of those things. So there are some of the medical areas and we're, we talk often about patient-centred care, don't we, which I think is so important, which is for me is where nurses come in to their fore. They're just, you know, they're there and they really provide that wonderful support. You touched on emotional and practical support. What other questions do you get around those sorts of areas for patients and loved ones? Yeah, so Steph, we often speak to people obviously during their during their treatment and also then following up afterwards. And um, I often find that people, when they're going through their treatment, is they're very much on survival mode. Uh, so they head down, we've got to get through this, I've just got to get through this treatment. And it's often not till... They finish their treatment and they're they're kind of like told, yes, you've got the all clear. You've just got to come back now for your your three month scan or your three month blood test. It's not till that point they really start processing what's just happened and what they've just been through. They don't have the security blanket of the hospital anymore, where they're going every couple of weeks for their chemo and they're seeing they've got their appointment with their oncology or maybe they've got an appointment with a surgeon. And you've got that constant network and support and feeling that people are constantly watching you and you're left to get on with life. And I think at that point is when people start to really process what they've just been through. And that's often the time as well when a lot of the family members or friends really can't understand because they think, well, you've finished everything now. You're mm. okay. You've got the green light. Off you go. Now, why are you worrying about this now? And I think it's just because when you're going through it, you're on adrenaline and you're literally just trying to survive. Whereas when you finish, you really start to emotionally pick apart what's just happened. Um, and people often have a lot of fear around scan times and blood tests because they're thinking, oh, is it going to come back? What are they going to find? And you feel on your own, I think. I think I hear that quite a lot. You feel alone. Yeah, very isolating. I, I feel I, people would, you know, would feel very isolated. And it's it's 
often a time where people reach out to us, which is which is great because I feel like we can really help people. We, we've got a fabulous social worker that we can refer people to now, and that's for that emotional support or practical support, um, and that's Victoria, who many people would have spoken to. And we've also got our fabulous peer-to-peer support group where we can connect patients with others that have gone through something very similar. We try very hard to find the right match. And um, that can be often very supportive. As you said, you're feeling very isolated and really only someone else who's gone through it can really understand it like you do. And we also have our amazing Facebook group, The Movement, Mm -hmm. as well. And that has proven to be very popular as well. And I think particularly, well, with with anyone, but lots of lots of younger people I find really connect with the whole, you know, because it's on it's a social media sort of thing. And I think people often, uh, you know, really have gotten used to connecting in that way. And Facebook's been the movement's been fabulous for that. So we've got lots of things that we can offer patients uh, in respect to support. You're not alone. We can definitely help you in whichever way you find we've got a few different options whichever way you find is going to suit you the best yes i think that's really important that that like-mindedness but also that connection which Mm. is really important and also you know both yourself and all the nurses at at bowel cancer australia are so very supportive and caring and it's chatting and just sometimes it's just pointing you in the right direction it might be somewhere something that you hadn't even thought of before which um, i think is really important for our listeners A couple more questions before we finish up, but navigating the medical system, and you've touched on this, I think sometimes it's very um, process driven and we go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Are there any particular questions that patients should be asking their specialists during these follow-ups or even during their treatment? Because sometimes we get people saying that, you know, oh, I wish I'd known that when I was going through it. Yeah, look, I think um, I always advise my patients to make a list of questions as they pop into their heads. Everything's very individual. Every person Mm. is different. So each individual, depending on their age or their gender, maybe their their, their family life and support at home, are going to have different concerns for them. So it's really important, I think, that you write it down. If it pops into your head and you know you're not going to see the doctor for another week or two weeks, write it down because if you don't, you're going to forget. And then Mm. when you have your quick 20-minute appointment, and I know people often feel very rushed and I know that they also feel guilty or the surgeon's busy, the oncologist is busy, and and yes, they are, but they are also there for you and that's your time. But I think if you can actually really jot down any concerns, any particular things that you're experiencing, any worries or questions that you may have, um, or maybe a family member's raised and you think, well, that's a good point. I need to know that. Write it down and take it with you and don't be afraid to write the answers down while you're there if that's what you need to do as well because it's it's hard to remember on the spot often you go in there and you're like you're quite you're stressed out and and they talk to you sometimes in not layman's terms or layperson's yeah, terms it's, it's medical term you're trying to uh you know work out what they're actually trying to say you you're the patient and you deserve to you know get the full picture and if you've got questions 100%. Mm. you absolutely need to have your questions so anything that's important to you no question is a silly question uh whatever it may be whatever it is that you're concerned about write it down and ask them they're not going to 
think any question you have is a silly question. It's really important that you do have a clear idea about what, what's going on. Any other little tips or tricks that you would like to add from your wealth of 10 years experience with bowel cancer patients? I think, yeah, the things I guess most of all that I would love to get across would be to say that if you are sent a test on the National Bowel Cancer Screening Program, which starts at age 50 and runs to age 74 in Australia currently, please do it. It's free, costs you a few minutes of your time to do that test, Mm -hmm. and it could really save your life. So please, if you get the test, do it. I speak to so many patients that kind of shelve it and say, I'll get round uh-huh. to it and forget. And uh, the return rate on those kits is not brilliant. We'd like to see it better. So please do it. Don't ignore your symptoms. If you have symptoms, go and see your GP. You were never too young to have bowel cancer. Remember that. The screening program starts at age 50 here at the moment. We would like to see that lowered, but you are never too young. So never be Um, told that by a doctor if you feel there's something wrong um, please push follow up on your symptoms call us how often do we hear it Faye oh we do it too many Mm -hmm. too many times unfortunately Um, so please never be told you're too young or never have your um, symptoms um, attributed to something else without them being properly investigated and please never feel scared to reach out for support as well, if if you're struggling, whether that's through us or whether that's through your GP, uh, there is always support available. Do not struggle. It's you know there's there's always somebody to listen and something we can do to help. That's probably the biggest takeout from this chat is that there are nurses available. We would like a lot more nurses available, yes. but we do have nurses available and there's yes. support there and you don't do it alone. Finally, Fee, what do you do to look after yourself? Because, you know, it's um, it can be a harrowing role at times. Yeah, it can. And I'm really lucky that I work with a lovely team. So Bowel Cancer Australia team is uh, a great team of people. And myself and the other nurses do chat quite regularly as well. And we, you know, we try and talk about things because yes, it is, it can be quite harrowing. It can be quite sad. And also, you know, there's also lots of lovely stories and good stories as well. And it's always good to share that, you know, if you're feeling a a little bit sad and also uh, the good things as well, you've got to be able to share the good things as well. Then we make sure that we, we do do that on a regular basis as well. Fee, thank you so much for joining me today. Your warmth, as I said, your authenticity. I know you truly care about your patients. I've seen it firsthand when you're dealing with my mother-in-law and you are an absolute asset to bowel cancer patients, to bowel cancer Australia. And thank you for joining me today on the Bottom Line Podcast. Oh, thank you, Steph. And you're a massive asset too. We should say that to you as well, because you do an awful lot for Bowel Cancer Australia. So we're very lucky to have you and the whole team. So I'm very privileged to to work there. Thank you so much for listening to the Bottom Line podcast. To find out more about bowel cancer or for support or simply to donate, please go to bowelcanceraustralia.org.